0: Well, good morning, church, and good morning, church in-house, and good morning, church watching in your home. Uh, I'm going to begin by reading uh, from James. If you would open your Bibles to the letter, to the book of James, it's a few pages before Revelation. Go to the back, head uh, back a few pages from Revelation, we'll pick up. I'm just going to start reading. I'm going to begin in verse 1 and read through verse 11. Uh, You just follow along when you get there. Verse 1, James. James, the servant of god and of the lord jesus christ to the 12 tribes of the dispersion greetings count it all joy my brothers and sisters when you meet trials of various kinds for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete lacking in nothing in other words mature in christ verse 5 if any of you lacks wisdom or if any of you lacks that wisdom let him let her ask of god who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given but let him ask in faith with no doubting for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind for that person must not suppose that he that she will receive anything from the lord For they are a double-minded man, unstable in all their ways. And then the verses for our time today, beginning in verse 11. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation. Because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass, its flower falls, and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man, will the rich woman fade away in the midst of their pursuits. Well, we're uh, in the New Testament book, the letter of James, and, and James is known as a very practical section of God's Word. And it totally is. It totally is. Practicality is all over it. In fact, James is just the kind of way where he's like, hello, and then bam, he's in it. And it's not like he slowly (laughs) works his way into the subjects, beginning with some easy subjects. I mean, he starts right out, trials of life. Let's talk about it. That was last Sunday. And then now here, we're in socioeconomic standing. Let's talk about that. And I'll say this, how interesting is it that here we are some 25 years shy of about 2,000 years from the time of when James wrote this letter, and trials of life and socioeconomic standing are huge today, huge in the reality of our lives today, and probably right up there with in the, maybe the top five of greatest struggles that people have in life and he is practical all over and here's what I love about James James is not the common worldly kind of advice I mean this is God's word and yet as James uh penning it uh for the Lord as he's putting it down and writing he's not talking about let's rearrange the furniture on the Titanic I was going to tell you, there's a lot of counsel today, a lot of self-help, a lot of ideal thinking that, frankly, friends, it's just all about rearranging the furniture in the Titanic. And it's kind of like, no one's like, stop rearranging all the externals. We have an iceberg ahead of us, okay? And we are about to crash into the iceberg, and it's kind of like ah forget about that let's just rerun the rearrange the furniture on the Titanic James is not about that James is not about seeing the external stuff and then just dealing it with external means James is actually about acknowledging the reality of external things going on in life like trials of life and like socioeconomics, and he takes it internal he takes the end external and he brings it internal that is actually what makes it crazy practical And James does this again and again, and I think it's really important for us to understand that this is what James does again and again and again. Being practical does not mean rearrange the furniture on the deck. Being practical means seeing the reality of things, and let's get at it, and let's go internal so that's what he does again and again last sunday trials this sunday socioeconomic standing and um, there is a tendency to see these verses 9 through 11 kind of as separate from uh, what we went through verses 2 through 8 last sunday i actually think they they work in perfectly together I say that because of terminology. You have terminology and semantics that connect it. Even the whole brother and sister, obviously that connects through the whole uh, of the letter. But particularly here, you have these shared concept of pursuits are talked about in verses uh, two through eight. And now you have your ways are connected. There's a, as you're moving through life kind of a thing, there's a connection that's going on in concept. There's also a double-mindedness that comes up in these two. I don't think this is so proverbial that it's like, one subject, now another subject. I actually think there are links of thought that are moving much of these together. So let's dive in. We're in verse 9, a poor brother and sister. Not like, oh, poor brother and sister. We're talking socioeconomic. Poor. Financially poor, brother and sister. Verse 9, let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation. Uh, james is talking about finances here because the next one is talking about the rich we'll talk about that here in a little bit but first it begins with the poor it's really hard by the way in our day and age to uh, quantify that i love the fact actually that james here in this text doesn't give a percent of what classifies uses poor we love doing that today we love pe- putting people in categories he doesn't do that Understand, he's writing to uh, Messianic Jews who have been scattered outside of Palestine. He's writing to them who are living in places maybe that they weren't raised up in. And so the likelihood is most all of them, I don't think all of them because of what he's talking about here, but most likely all of them are in a poor situation financially, okay? Uh, So he's writing to people, uh, a great part of whom are poor. And James is Mr. Imperative. He's Mr. Imperative. He's always giving a, a directive. He's not saying, I suggest that. He's not saying, oh, please, if you would, golly wash, would you? Uh, it's an imperative. It's a directive. It's a command. And it's same here. Let the lowly brother, let the lowly sister boast in their exaltation. It's interesting. It's an interesting imperative. It's an imperative to boast. Would I be correct and kind of say, if you were to do a survey around with Christians, if they were to say, should you boast? I think most Christians would kind of go, no, no, we shouldn't boast. But the fact is, is there is a right boasting and a wrong boasting. The imperative is a call to boast. Hey, poor person in Christ, there is something you are to boast in. Boast. It means to, to, to glory in, to rejoice in, to take pride in. 2 Corinthians 12 9 says, Therefore I will boast all the more gladly, Paul says, of my weaknesses. He boasts there. 2 Corinthians 10:10, 10, 10, let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. Believers. You are to boast. We are to be a boasting people, but boasting in the right thing, in the right one. Psalm 20, verse 7. I love this one for this text. New International Standard says, uh, some boast in chariots and some in horses, but we boast in the name of the Lord our God. You can boast in stuff or you can boast in the Lord our God. I vote number two. And that's the call. And James is carrying this out. It's a boast to a particular group of people, those that are low on the socioeconomic scale, whether that be financially or in social standing, and usually it's both, by the way. It's talking to poor Christians. Poor, financially redeemed followers of Jesus Christ. You are to boast you are to glory in. You are to take pride in the truth that James is talking about and the truth that James is talking about is the fact that in Christ, you have an exalted reality. Oh, by the way, so does your middle class brother and sister and your upper class brother and sister as well, but poor person, there's a tendency to get down and to think lowly and of low value, listen, how much furniture you have on your deck and the kind of furniture that you have on the deck is not your identity it is not yet the fact of the matter is is we typically make it be our identity we're not to boast in our stuff Instead, I would say, we're kind of supposed to do what we're called to last Sunday. We're to count it. We're to count what we know. We're to be a people that count what we know. And brother and sister in Christ, if you are on the low end of the socioeconomic standing of things in this present world, know this. You must be counting that you know that your value is not in your financial status. Your value is in the fact of whose you are in Christ. And you are to boast in that. You are to consider that, know that, preach that to yourself. Take a joy in that. I may have squat, but I have that. But know this, we're not talking about in some arrogant, braggadocious ridiculous kind of a way where it's like, neener, neener, I am Jesus, and you don't, okay? Not that, right? We're not talking about that. Instead, there is this internal, there is this internal, internal vertical thing that is happening that it's like, I don't have, like, any furniture, I am a child of God, the King of Kings, an adopted child sealed by the Spirit, redeemed by the Son of God, held and wrapped by the Father. Eschatologically and presently, I am wealthy. Eschatologically, in the future, listen, this wealth world is not my future, and this wealth world is a dot on the line of eternity. This is a blink. This is a moment. This is a vapor. And if God would have it, That you or I or we or anyone here in this room, that God would have it, that you live in a poor socioeconomic standing in this world. Know this, the line is full of richness and eternal wealth with your King and Lord. adamson says james's point then is that believers must look beyond the world's evaluation to understand who they are and to look to god's view of them god's view of you is not your social economic status and out there and oftentimes even amongst us as people living in this world We hear the complete opposite all the time. That you need more stuff. Because that's going to satisfy. But instead, I might suggest there's a song that rings in my ear that's an old song. Maybe you know it. When peace like a river attendeth my way, When sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say. Those of you who know what it is, what's the chorus? Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, lest this blessed assurance control that Christ hath regarded my helpless estate. And hath shed his own blood for my soul. It is well with my soul. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part of the, but, of, but of the whole, is nailed to the cross. I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Oh, my soul, for me, be it Christ, be it Christ hence to live If Jordan above me shall roll, no pang shall be mine. For in death as in life thou wilt whisper thy peace to my soul. And what is it? Church, we are not here in this world individually or corporately to get, to reach, to attain to a high socioeconomic status. That is not why we're here. Yet, oh, how it pulls at us. Oh, how like Satan in the Garden of Eden, it slithers in and it calls out to us this world can offer you more. I have something greater and grander. By the way, might I note in the Garden of Eden, something greater and grander and better than what you already have in the Lord. And they're like, yeah, maybe there's something better than the Garden in Eden and no sin. And they bid it. And frankly, how often you and I bite it every day with the same temptation, the same thinking, and it draws our attention and our time and our affections, thinking that money and stuff and status will bring us more, will somehow fulfill our soul. And it is a lie from hell. Young people, I want you to know, I want you to hear, That more money and more stuff does not satisfy. And I'm just going to say this personally. I know what I'm talking about. It doesn't. And for the poor person, we oftentimes look at them and make quick judgments of them in various ways. And I have uh, three calls for you here. Number one, poor brother, poor sister in Christ. on On the low economic status of our world, number one, count rightly. Count rightly. It's not counting by how much you have, how much you don't have. Count what you have in Christ, redeemed person in Christ. The furniture on the deck is irrelevant. Here's what, too, is the next thing. Boast vertically. Boast vertically that the fact that because of Christ, the ship has been turned from the impending coming iceberg, and you have been saved. And not only saved in the present, but saved for all eternity. And therefore, thinking backward, you bring all of that truth in what we know, and it is out of those, live contently. Do you realize, poor person, that the Lord's lot for you may be a life of ministry from the place of poor? Can you be content with that? I'm going to tell you, I think in our American hearts, we're like, no. But whatever my lot. Live contently, brother, sister. Philippians 4.12, I, Paul, know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. That's living richly. Verse 10, rich brother and sister in Christ. And the rich in his, her humiliation. The flow of the grammar of the sentence uh, really is kind of the idea because of how it carries over. The imperative verb is carried over and, and, uh, uh, in it. So it's like, and let the rich boast in his, her humiliation. By the way, I believe this is talking to a believer in Christ, not to the unbeliever. And right up front, I want for you to understand this. Uh, I'm reading out of the English Standard Version with that. And right up front, I want for you to know this is not a rebuke of the rich. This is not an anti-Wall Street, an anti-1% riot by James. That's not what is happening here. This is not a call to be humiliated. Hear me on that? That is not what the text is saying at all. The text is talking about a loving call just as a loving call to the poor that you need to understand, poor person, you in Christ, that you need to boast in your exaltation. And by the way, the person who is rich and in Christ, you need to realize lovingly that you need to boast in your humble reality because know this, your money does not make you better. It doesn't. Wealth, by the way, is poverty. It is a vortex field. It has this way of warping one's mind even without you knowing it. It's a vortex field. It has this way of just sucking you in and and draining your soul by replacing it with the false security, false confidence, false idolatry of money. Wealth tends to breed isolation. I've seen that again and again and again. It tends to breed false security. Wealth is a powerful, blinding force. Wealthy man, wealthy woman, if you think you have the vortex of wealth conquered, you're fooling yourself. Wealth cannot buy joy, and in itself, wealth is empty. Wealth is fleeting, but hear me on this. Wealth is not wrong. Scripture even talks about wealth as a blessing, but it doesn't mean you're more blessed that you're better than. It's just in whatever the lot. (laughs) I'm just gonna know, wealth contains a Frodo burden. You think about it, and many are oftentimes like, "I'll take that burden," but it does. Wealth is a subject you can rarely talk with anyone about, and like poorness, wealth oftentimes bring quick, brings quick judgment by others. Our world idolizes socioeconomic wealth and standing, and yet there's this interesting thing. It demonizes it at the same time. Wealth is a stewardship. I would even suggest poverty is a stewardship. Wealth is a trust that's to be used to love the Lord and people. Jeremiah 9, let not the rich man boast in his riches. Let him who boasts, boasts in this, that he, that she understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in all these things I delight, declares the Lord. The real message here is that for the rich as well as the poor, friends, God's economy does not work like ours. And this is a moment for us to be pulled out of our economy thinking. To be thinking of the Lord's economy. Wealthy brother or sister, if you think that your own wealth is yours. I call you to rethink. What's going on here is James is realizing all of these things that go on both in the poor and in the rich. And for the rich person in this, he realizes what takes place, and you can get a sense of arrogance, even if you don't know what's going on, a sense of confidence, a sense of security that is a false sense reality in it, and he calls you out of it. It's said in Christian circles, there are three leveling places of life, standing at the foot of the cross, trials, and death. It's at all three of those places. It doesn't matter how much you have or don't have. Those are leveling places. When my dad passed away about 25 plus years ago, when he left, he left everything behind. The very clothes on his back were left here. My... <laughs> My dad, I I grew up in a home that was like, if you ever seen the movie Chitty Chitty Bang Bang? In the beginning of the movie, that was our home growing up. It was a boy's dream. Clutter, tinkering. I mean, my dad was the master at gathering tinkering stuff of no use to anyone but him. And when he left, it was all left. There was not one unfinished project. there were many, that was fixed or taken with him. There was not one gadget, tinkering item or thing of his that he took with him. It was all left behind. Rich brother, sister in Christ, it's all temporary. Douglas Moo sums up these two verses this way, and I'll give three uh, items for the, for the rich. He says this, to the poor believer tempted to feel insignificant and powerless because the world judges a person on the basis of money and status. James says, take pride in your exalted status in the spiritual realm as one seated in the heavenlies with Jesus Christ himself. Amen? Amen. To the rich believer, tempted to think too much of himself because the world holds him high in high esteem. James says, take pride not in your money or social position that uh, things that are doomed all too soon to fade away forever, but paradoxically in your humble status as a person who identifies with one who has, who was, uh, I'm sorry, with one who was despised and rejected by the world. Rich, poor. We identify with the one who was despised and rejected by the world. If the call was to richness, Jesus would have had been the tycoon on earth. Matthew 6 24, no one can serve two masters. So, brother or sister in Christ with socioeconomic means, uh, three statements for you. Uh, count rightly. Oh, the poor as well. Yeah, you too. Count rightly count rightly, count and understand that who you are and what you have, you need to count it and view it rightly. And and in that, you also need to boast vertically because just like the poor person, in your wealth, your boasting is not in your stuff. Friend, it's all going away. Our boasting is to be in the Lord and who he is. And how cool is this that the poorest of the poor brother or sister in Christ with the richest of the richest brother or sister in Christ can declare both together. And I will give this call then, I think, out of the text uh, for the rich brother or sister. Live humbly. I'm not talking about your house necessarily. I think what James is talking about is the reality of a humble heart. Wealth is not sin. Wealth is not evil. Even the desire to want more, to pay bills and not have the stress of that off your back is not something that's wrong or sinful. Yet in the reality of it, rich brother and sister in Christ, you are no better Live humbly in your heart. Like how? Well, like the rest of the verses. Because like a flower of the grass, the rich person will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass. Its flower falls and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuit. It's interesting, uh, Tristram uh, makes a comment about this. That uh, He says, the the downs of Bethlehem in February are one spangled carpet of brilliant flowers. And then in May, all traces of venger or, or color, freshness are gone. I mean, they live in the desert over there. And yet, James would have known this. Every year James would have seen this, the beauty in February in that part of the world where the flowers come, go, you you Google, you do a search on uh, Israel and flower fields and you will find these gorgeous uh, uh, lays of land where the flowers are just beautiful and they pop up in February, but but then by May they're all like shriveled up because of the heat and the wind as it comes in, what a physical reminder that God puts before them and before us all the time of how fleeting wealth is, how transient it is. Rich brother, sister in Christ, you must be presently, actively, and continuously living with a heart of humility. So many more things that could be said. But here's one of the intriguing things about this. James brings this subject up here early and he talks about it a few other times through this short letter. So I'm gonna kind of leave it there because we're gonna be picking this topic up. By the way, how interesting is that? That a problem amongst believers in local communities are struggling together as poor and rich. Wouldn't you think that of any group of people, that people redeemed in Christ would be able to live together, whether poor or rich? We should. We should. So what do we take from this? Well, Poor brother or sister, count rightly, boast vertically, live contently. Rich brother or sister, count rightly, boast vertically, live humbly. And I would also like to add in something to us as a church as a whole. Radiant Bible Church, three things. We must count rightly. (laughs) We must be a people that does that together. Count rightly in what is true value count rightly boast vertically let's not boast in things that the world measures. Let's boast in who our God is and what through knowing Christ as our savior, what that guide uh, then provides through out of that. And all the glory of living as a redeemed follower of Christ. Listen, if you don't know Jesus as your savior, if there's never been a time in your life where you've come to the fact where you're like, I'm headed for the iceberg. and, And the only way to avoid this impending coming iceberg is through the work of Jesus Christ, and through the work of Jesus Christ received, Lord, I am a sinner headed towards the iceberg. I need a course correction of my soul that I cannot do on my own, but you have done for me, and I receive the work that you have done, as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, and it is out of that that we boast vertically. Hey, friend, you and I, in and of ourselves, Ephesians chapter two, verses one through three, we have, we have value because of verses Ephesians chapter 2, 4 and following. But God, who is rich in mercy, redeemed us. And that is what we boast about. And third, I would have the call to us be live in unity. We should be that kind of a people. We should be the kind of people that can live in unity. And here in the text, that live in unity is the fact that we are poor and rich. And, it, and I'll tell you, what's hard with this text and understanding this right now, and probably for most of us, is which category am I in? Because back in that day that James is writing, there truly was a 99% poor and 1% rich. We don't have that today. That whole argument is a false argument. Where do we fit in this? Maybe you say, I'm not poor and I'm not rich so it doesn't apply to me. No, I actually think the yearnings in our heart can learn from this text hugely. And we can relate together as brothers and sisters in Christ. Rich person, you are welcome here. And you are welcome here not because of what kind of cash you might bring here. Oh, God, forgive us if that ever comes to thought. But you are welcome here because you are a person in need of or in Christ. Poor person, you are not welcome here as a project of ours. You are welcome here. Amen? That'd be really great to booyah together in that. Okay? skin color, socioeconomic standing, height, background, you are welcome here because we are to be a people that is pursuing together after the Lord, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, amen? Well, let me just finish it with this. If we could bring a picture up. Um, this is Bert. Bert. Bert had no teeth. He never had dentures put in. He had no teeth. Bert was poor as dirt, he and his wife. You would have called him Bert. He was my grandpa. My grandpa taught me how to fly fish on some trips that my mom and dad would bring grandma and grandpa with growing up. I remember when we would go and see grandpa, he would always have for me and my two older brothers three strings of a uh, uh, bubblegum in a ball that every parent panics about because it's going to be uh, a sugar run for a while but my parents let us just sugar the whole string in each of us if we wanted I didn't care how much grandpa owned their house was a shack this wasn't their house but it wasn't far from it Grandpa worked on the farm, and then he had a gas station for a little while. That was back in the day when you actually worked on cars at the gas station, and then the depression hit. He was never wealthy. When I knew him, he worked in the laundry factory at an institution doing laundry. I've often wondered in a middle-class church like ours, if my grandpa came here, if he would feel loved and welcomed and apart. I pray he would. I pray he would. Because he rocked. Lord, would you change our socioeconomic thinking? Last Sunday, we were talking about pray for wisdom. And so, God, I pray for the kind of wisdom that is needed to be a people who who view and, and rightly boast in the right things. God, I pray that we would be a people that, whether rich or poor, arms wide open, and everywhere in between nowadays. God, I would pray that we would be a people that would not judge each other by the color of our skin, by the content of the size of our wallet, by the kind of car we drive in, by the make of clothes that we wear, but that we would be a light in this dark world, a light that shines of the fact that we are in Christ and that's what we are about and that's who we are and the poor can sit with the rich and love on each other and learn from each other. We live in a present day and age, Lord. You know where there's a lot of socioeconomic conversations going on and a lot of mad. I pray that we would be a safe people in a safe place that champion the riches of Jesus Christ. Do that kind of work in us, I pray, Lord. Lord. In your name, amen.